On this episode of the The Sam D Podcast, the NBA draft has come and went. Who did I think had a potential revolutionary draft? Actually, revolutionary last two drafts. We'll get there. Everyone wants to know where the hell is KD and Kyrie going to end up? Is there a real chance KD could stay in BK? Does it even really matter at this point where Kevin Durant ends up? Yeah, it's time to have that discussion. The Super League from last year has turned the tide not only in golf, but in college sports, college football to be exact, (laughs) SEC, Big Ten, yeah, follow the money, we will follow it. And lastly, did the Timberwolves get fleeced in trading for Rudy Gobert? Did the Scamadum Dea do it again? Find out what I think on the latest episode of the The Sam D Podcast. Hello and welcome to the The Sam D Podcast. I'm your host, Sam Duzumay Jr. Follow me on... I mean, at this point, I guess it's the Elon app. Who the hell knows? At the CMD, that's T-H-E-E-S-A-M-D. Podcast is also up there, all one word, at the CMD Podcast. Subscribe and rate to the podcast. Five stars at the less tell a friend. Podcast available on all major podcasts and platforms, including the Purple app and the Rogan app. For all content, audio, and visual, hit up thecmd.com. Subscribe to the YouTube channel. Link is in the podcast description. Season 2 of Trash Narratives on the way. Season 3 already in the works. Musical production done by May 1st Music. Support him at SoundCloud.com slash May 1st Music. Every year, there's a sucker. Every single year, there's a sucker. And every decade or so that sucker is found by one the T-Wolves the T-Wolves Carl Anthony Towns D'Angelo Russell Ant-Man Jaden McDaniels and now, the Stifle Tower. <laughs> Rudy Gobert. Rudy. The man who caused us to go into a bubble. Rudy. Who had the Rona and fondled microphones in an open setting. Rudy. Who his own teammates didn't want to pass the ball to. Rudy. That guy is on his way to Minnesota. He left cold ass Utah for equally cold ass Minnesota. God damn. And the return package for the Jazz, you know, if you're just looking at the players, it's not very like. But it's some picks though. <laughs> foe, foe, foe. One, two, three, foe. First round picks. 
three of which are unprotected. Some of them there. Three unprotected lottery picks. Some of them there. Yeah, Pat Bev. Some of them there. A bunch of other dudes, Malik Beasley. Some of them there. But the goal of the Some of them there. was to do like he did to the Nets all them years ago and scoop up a shit ton of picks in the future that no one in the here and now is concerned about. Some of them there. Now, while the Some of them there. was able to flip that into Tatum and Brown and some other ancillary first round lottery pick pieces, what can he now do with not one, not two, not three, but four lottery picks, assumingly, right? At least four first round picks. Might have to package them together, but ultimately four first round picks for the Stifle Tower. A guy whose own team, nobody wanted to pass to him. A guy whose own team openly admitted was not an offensive option. What the hell does this mean for Minnesota? And what the hell does this mean for Utah? And especially, is he lying in wait now to flip another piece? Can he flip Donovan Mitchell? Can he flip Spider with the same type of results? Can he take another deal with another two, three, four first round picks, most of which will probably be unprotected for Spider Mitchell? Is he back? Is the Some of them back in the mix? That to me is the big trade. I know everyone wants to know about KD and Kyrie, what's going to happen and all of this. But to me, it's like, no, 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 no. He's back. We all wondered, I mean, look, he's from there, right? Those are his people in every sense of the word. Those people in Utah are his people. He's really trying to bring that Stockton and Malone energy back. Some of them there. That Mark Eaton energy back. Some of them there. That Antoine Carr energy back. Some of them there. Ostertag. Some of them there. Jeff Foster. Some of them there. Hornacek. Nick State. Some of them there. He really is trying to take it back to Jerry Sloan in them days by building a roster with the draft. He obviously feels he's got some years. You don't make this type of investment without knowing you got some time. Some time to build, some time to marinate, some time to really watch the landscape transform as time goes on. You don't make this type of trade unless you know, I got an easy five to ten years here. Easy. Four future first-round picks, three of which are unprotected. You got some time. And even that fourth one is only protected top five. So that could be another top ten pick. Potentially, there could be four top ten picks here for Rudy Gobert. And while we love to trash on Rudy Gobert and what he can and can't do, the one thing he can do, in theory, is play defense. In theory, he's there to play defense, and we know that is not Cole Anthony Towns' strength. I still debate is he if he's even top 30. You have Ant-Man, fresh off the roll and hustle where he's killing shit. Fresh off a playoff run where he gave you buckets. Fresh off a regular season where he showed you he's probably the most aggressive. If not, he's already the best Timberwolf on that roster. You can have D'Lo, who's Cat's man. <laughs> That's really the only, only thing I got for you. As to how he fits in. He's catch man. So you have a roster there where you slide in Rudy. He's the five because he can't play anything else. And now Cat gets to be a four. Cat gets to be a four. A natural four. 
Now, he's had fives there in the past, but he's been normally primed with the responsibility of guarding the other best team's bigs. Now that's not the case. That's Rudy's job. Now with Carl Anthony Towns at his more natural position, especially in the league, as a four, how does this improve not only the offense but the defense? And I know a lot of you are still here for KD, Kyrie. We will get there. we got plenty of time to do all that. But to me, this interesting move is a done deal. We're not talking about hypotheticals and what tea you're getting in different group chats and what different insiders are giving you conflicting reports on the same fall of the network. We're, we're not here for that. We're here for the actuality. The actuality is that the Timberwolves got better. The question is, how much better is Rudy Gobert on that team a five-win improvement? Is it a marginal improvement or five-win improvement? I've had some people tell me it could be up to a 10-game improvement. They feel Rudy being able to just do what he does, which is just play defense, grab boards, block shots, is the perfect guy. He's this generation's Dikembe Mutombo. Dikembe Mutombo was able to get to an NBA Finals. Now, he rode the coattails of the offensive first superstar and was able to get his shit off. Now, he got demolished in the NBA Finals, but he was able to get there. He was able to be the defensive player of the year and have that type of pedigree and lead a team defensively to a NBA Finals, to a conference championship and into the NBA Finals. Can Rudy Gobert do that? Can he ride the coattails of Call Anthony Towns and or Ant-Man and lead the Timberwolves to a potential conference Finals? Now, while the Suns are out here trying to figure out if they're in the KD sweepstakes or not, it's likely they're going to lose DeAndre Ayton in some kind of way via sign and trade or what have you. The Suns are going to take a step back unless they go get KD. And even if they KD, you can still say they could take a step back in regards to what they're losing size-wise with DeAndre Ayton. The dubs are the dubs. Y'all know how I felt about them all year was talking them up. And they were able to get through and get that chip. That doesn't mean to me that they're just going to be an automatic to run it back next year. We have no idea what the Lake Show is doing, and I don't know if Rich Paul and Braun know what the Lake Show is doing, but they're trying to figure something out. They're trying to make something out of nothing with that roster and that salary cap situation with that family business that is known as the Los Angeles Lakers. The Clippers go out there and go get John Wall. Does that mean anything in 2022 going into 2023? Does that mean anything? Be phenomenal in 2K. Be phenomenal in my team. But is that something that's actually worthwhile in real life? Denver is making moves, and they're also low-key in this KD sweepstakes. But if they stand pat with this little tinkering that they have done, is that enough? Portland jumped out there with Jeremy Grant, trying to give Dame Lillard some help. They brought back Nurkic. Is that a thing? So as much as, like, no, I said last year, like, yo, the West is wide open. It may have been top-heavy, but it's wide open by and large. It may be the case again this year, where it's wide open. I don't think it's automatic that the Dubs are going to run it back, especially in the West. I don't think it's easy to just pencil them in as their favorites. Another year of wear and tear. That's the type of stuff. I don't think Steph has a LeBron-type body where it's like, yeah, he could do 20 years easy. I don't think them ankles are going to hold up for 20 years. They're barely holding up now. We saw that flare up in the finals. So those ankles are going to be a thing. Clay was good enough. Is that clay going to be good enough to get it done next year? I don't think so. How long could the habitual nut hitter 
keep pulling the wool over people's eyes and not get bully ball in the paint? Is there someone big enough to make the challenge? And then is Steve Kerr going to actually dust off all these young pieces? And we're talking more than just Weissman, Kaminga, and Moody. But what they did in the draft, and we'll get into that later in this pod, but I think last year's draft with this year's draft is going to do more for the whole talk of the Warriors organization revolutionizing basketball than the Splash Brothers run. And I put that out there on the Elon app. It was low-key. No one wanted to go back and forth, but I mean that shit. The last two drafts, if you look at the bodies that they've acclimated, whether through straight-up draft picks or trades on draft night, I think the guys that they've brought in have been all tier one. Now, Moody, eh, I mean, he got cooked in the summer league by the, by the Lake Shows guys who are a bunch of no-names by and large except for Scotty Pippen Jr. But, I mean, be that as it may, the resumes speak for themselves. If the guys pan out to their potential, the Warriors got another five guys in the tuck for whenever this Splash Brothers run is a wrap. They got five dudes ready to take over. That, to me, is more impressive than assuming you revolutionized basketball just because you lucked into drafting two of the best shooters of all time. So getting back to the original point of this opening segment, is the back. Did he fleece another GM? Now the Timberwolves have a new ownership group coming in. There's still rumors about them potentially moving to Seattle. And they want to make a splash. Because the old ownership group, was it Taylor, Glenn Taylor, and all them guys, they never really wanted to jump out the window. The only time they did was to go get Jimmy Butler, and we saw how that panned out. So he's been scared money ever since. He went out there and got the meniscus tearing Taskmaster, gave him a shit ton of money, gave him the control. Taskmaster went out there and got Jimmy Buckets. Jimmy Buckets came in there and took the third string and beat his star players after they didn't max him out with rookie extensions. And now all those guys are gone except for Cat. So man's been shaking the light ever since then. The new ownership group is the hell with that. We want to shake things up. And to shake things up, Scamadamdea was lying in wait. Oh, you trying to shake things up? Like when the Nets moved to Brooklyn? You got a Russian billionaire owner? Who's trying to make a splash? He used Hove? I think I got just the right piece for you. But it's going to cost you. Four first round picks. Three or four of which are unprotected. And even that fourth one is only top five protected. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll take on Malik Beasley, Pat Bev, sure, sure. But them picks, though. Dea is at it again. So Shams made the rounds today, and this is why sometimes I like to wait to do pods because there's constant information coming in as these days goes along. I record something one day, then I come out the next day, drop the episode, and then there's a whole different slab of information that pivots the conversation another way. So Shams came out today and said, I'm going to paraphrase, it doesn't look good for the whole Kyrie to L.A. thing. As much as the Blue Check Boys were trying to convince you a few weeks ago that Kung Fu Kyrie was going to leave 30 of them M's on the table. And they spent a whole week trying to convince you that Kyrie's that crazy 
that determined to get out of Brooklyn, that determined to not take the vax, that he's going to go to L.A. minus 30 M's. Then Kung Fu Kyrie promptly flips it, opts in for the 37 mil. Right? So that happened. Blue check boys didn't have nothing to say after that. They just quietly just kept moving right along and shift the narrative to the next story. So now, after Kyrie allegedly was trying to find a side and trade partner after opting in for that 37, couldn't find one apparently. So now it's about, well, I'm just going to take this 37 and whether I'm playing for Brooklyn or whoever they flip me to, I'm going to get this 37. So now it turns into KD. What does KD want to do? Is it Miami? Is it Phoenix? That's been reported. Now they're trying to sneak Toronto out there. They're trying to sneak Denver out there. Where the hell is Joe Sy and the Brooklyn Nets going to send Slim Reaper Kevin Durant? And it really just comes down to, does it even matter? And let me explain why. Does it even matter where Kevin Durant goes? Kevin Durant for the betterment of his career, has been chasing the living, breathing, hyperbolic chamber ghost that is LeBron James. We remember that Sports Illustrated article where he's like, I'm tired of being number two. Tired of it. Everyone keeps saying LeBron, then me. The hell with that. I'm him. I'm really him. And I believe he's been really him for the better part of five years. Now, you could say maybe not this past season. That that's I'm not really here to parse numbers. I would say over the last five years, Kevin Durant's been really him. But it hasn't really mattered because he hasn't done it. Now, this is to the Blue Check Boys and a lot of fan bases, right? It hasn't really mattered because he hasn't done it as the one on a team. Now, I've been telling you from the mountaintops that he was the one when he was on the dubs. But because Steph is Steph, no one really cares. Even the habitual nutheader whose part is hashtag new media. That's not really new media, but it's just new media. sense of players now can afford equipment that old media has. Even he's saying, yo, we don't win those chips without KD, which is the most obvious thing ever. You don't have to be an NBA player and a four-time NBA champion. You could be you and I who've been chilling here, watching those double teams and say, yo, dogs, at the fourth quarter, they gave the ball to KD. Steph was still running them pins, them curl downs, those flares and all that, and that was cute, and them dribble handoff, that was cute. But when it came game time, when it came Larry OB time, they ran 1-4 flat, gave the ball to KD at the top and said, everyone get the fuck out the way. Steph goes sit in the corner. KD got this one-on-one against Braun, square him up, dot his eye, chip one. Finals MVP one. Back-to-back times. So, you know, now we're getting to the point where no matter where he goes, let's let's play out both scenarios. Let's say he goes to Phoenix. Let's say they do the whole Aiden, KD, whatever, whatever, a whole bunch of pieces going one way, a whole bunch of pieces going the other way, whatever. End result, point fraud, D-book, KD. And let's even push that forward and say they win a chip. Is that going to be KD's chip? Or is it going to be the celebration of the point fraud finally getting a championship? That's going to be the narrative. D-Book could drop 50 a couple of years ago in the NBA Finals. He could average 50 the whole series, but the storyline would have been the point fraud finally won that Larry OB. So if KD goes to Phoenix, it's still not going to be his. Let's say he goes to Miami, buys in the heat culture, 
doesn't have to worry about the, the body fat percentage because he's already slim. He goes and wins a chip down there in South Beach. Now, is that a KD chip? Or is that a Pat Rally, Spostra, Jimmy Butler, Heat Culture Championship? We got another elite superstar to come down here, buy into our way, and get another chip like Braun did. So again, if you're chasing the hyperbolic chamber ghosts of Braun, can you really go to Collins Ave and get a chip? I don't think so. If you go to Denver, is that his chip or is that Jokic's chip? You see what I'm saying? If he goes to Toronto, will that chip be considered better or in higher regard than the boardman Kawhi Leonard chip? Probably not. And that's why I'm saying it just kind of doesn't matter where Kevin Durant goes. If he doesn't do it in Brooklyn, where it's clearly his team, his franchise, his organization, if he just wants to hoop with a bunch of dudes and just keeps stealing off rings, that's great. But when you're chasing the hyperbolic chamber ghost of Bron James, I don't know how any, any of these other scenarios work. You could, he could even go back to the Warriors. There's even talk. Look, every team has chimed in. It would be ridiculous if your team didn't chime in on the availability of Kevin Durant. Hell, even the Knicks probably had to make the call. Even though there's not a chance in hell the Nets would ever do it, it's your job, Leon Rose, CAA, to go ahead and make that happen. But not even Steve Stout and World Wide West can make that happen. But you have to make the call. So, again, like, wherever KD goes, does it really matter? At this point for him, it's about winning more chips, hooping with the best players, and enhancing his legacy. If he wins five chips, let's say he goes somewhere and wins three more chips, but he's still not the guy on those three chips, does it really matter? I don't think it would matter for KD. I don't think he gives a fuck. But ultimately, he does give a fuck whether he's ranked amongst the greats. There's no way. You don't hoop the way he hoops and put in the work that he's put in if you're not trying to be one of the immortals. And while he's already that, there's another hierarchy amongst the immortals. And he's trying to get into that conversation. How many chips is it going to take? Steph now with his fourth championship, there are people putting Wardell that's now saying Wardell's better than Kevin Durant at the game of basketball. There are people with blue checks. There are people with high-tech 8K cameras in front of them that are saying that. This is what people are doing now. This is how the narrative just swiftly changed year by year. This is a very much a reactionary business. This is a reactionary industry. The narratives have to keep flying. The takes have to keep getting you to click. So now fourth. So now Wardell wins his fourth. Okay, now he's better than Kevin Durant. Huh? On what planet? It is, is this 2K? Wait, he's a 99? Is, is that what you're saying? Because KD's not a 99 and 2K? I mean, how could Steph be a 99 and 2K, by the way? The way he plays defense, he's a 99? 99 offensively? Sure. But what's that defensive rating? Do we have that? I know the overall is a 99, but I mean, to be a 99 overall, you got to be 99 at everything, right? Can't be a 98. You're telling me Steph Curry is a 99 on defense? That's the only way you know it's a video game. But the point of the matter with this KD and Kyrie thing is 
if KD gets his way and goes to one of the perennial powers in the East or West, what does it matter? When he's chasing the ghosts of Braun, when he's tired of being number two, when he's tired of not getting the respect of being of that top tier of immortals, not just a Hall of Famer, he's a Hall of Famer already. Not just an immortal, he's an immortal already. He's trying to get into that top 10 conversation. Do I think he's living and breathing and sleeping trying to be top 10? No, but I think when he's in the gym and he's hooping, he's looking at that top 10 like, I'm going to be there. If I'm not there already, I'm going to be there. So how does he get there? It's by winning more chips and being the man on those teams that win those chips. And while I recognize he was in Golden State, there are plenty of people that have voting power that are legacy and influencer pushers that can dispel that notion and have. I mean, there were people five years ago, five, six years ago, that were ready to put their careers on the line to tell you that Steph Curry was a better basketball player than LeBron James in real time. Then that 3-1 happened. They all had to come back to, you know, prop up and bow down in front of the hyperbolic chamber throne that is LeBron James. These are those same people that are now telling you that Wardell is better than Kevin Durant all time. Those are those same people. So never forget that. They keep moving the narratives. They keep switching the narratives to keep you invested into clicking on their shit. So they will say things like that to keep you clicking. So if the KD thing doesn't matter, then what about the Kyrie thing? It seems as though the Lake Show is the only team that wants him, and they only really want him to, to get Rusty the fuck off their books. Yes, I'm sure they, they think bringing in Kyrie is an upgrade over Rusty in general, but it also gets rid of that fucking contract. Now, if they can't figure it out, and apparently Joe Sy and the Nets are so done with Kyrie that they might be willing to wave and stretch Kyrie, pause, contract-wise, to just get rid of him. Now, if that's the case, then he could go to the Lake Show for the low. But if that doesn't happen, who's going to blink first and cave in? Will it be the Nets caving in and just saying, yo, dogs, just, just get anything for him? Or will it be another team that's not the Lake Show that Kyrie might actually report to that's going to blink and jump out the window and offer something of substance to the Nets? Now, I got no insider tea for you. You know, there's not much going on because, again, you have to get inside the mind of Kyrie and no one, no one in this whole insider industry is able, able to do that. Shams has some links, but even he can't tell you what's on Kyrie's mind. So we just have to wait and see because this is how this this is how this shit is. You, you can tell when the insiders are more player based and when the insiders are more team based. I've been telling y'all for years on this pod that Woj is a front office insider guy he just knows dudes on teams he knows front front office executives that's who his sources are by and large they dictate to him what moves are coming he runs to the timeline with it we think he's this crazy insider with all this type type of connects when he's just texting a couple of guys shams is more of an agent player guy that's where his connects is so he gets his tea from that point of view and you can see it in the way that he reports things and the angles that he pushes They're both pushing angles. Woj will be pushing team-oriented biases, and Shams will be pushing player-agent biases as well. And it's your job as the consumer of both to be like, all right, which part is bias? Which part is just the facts on both sides? 
And that's what I try to do here in this pod. Like, yeah, we'll take all their information and decipher it here and figure out what's the truth. Zion re-upped? <laughs> oh, man. I'm sorry, Nick. I'm sorry, Nick Tate. Zion re-upped? 193 of them things for him to stay in a place he clearly wants no part of. And that's the only way. You got to overpay that man. You got to pay that man upwards of 200 M's if he makes an all-pro team. He makes one all-NBA team, and that contract is 230 of them things, I believe. So 193 right now if he does nothing. If he gets an all-NBA honors, 230 of them M's to remain in a place that he clearly and his family clearly wants no part of. It's got to suck to be a Knicks fan. <laughs> it's got to suck to be a Knicks fan. Hey, 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 but hey, you got Jalen Brunson. A <laughs> hundred M's? Come on. A hundred? Jalen? Brunson? Jerome James 2.0? Is that what we're doing? Is that really what we're doing? Oh, mixtape. I don't know how y'all do it, man. This is this is the definition of fandom is a mental illness. If you're still supporting, oh oh my bad. They brought back Mitch Rob too. Mitch Rob, Mitch Rob back. Mitch Rob in them forty games a year. But AD is street clothes though. The Mitch Rob is out here at the bank. Legend at the bank. Mitch Rob, forty five games a year. What he got sixty M's? <laughs> I mean, but you know, maybe this is the year. Maybe this is the year he stays healthy. But yeah, you, you, Jalen Brunson, you're giving a hundred M's to Jalen Brunson. I'm not here to shit on Jalen Brunson. Get paid, young black man. Get paid. What I'm saying is, this is what you moved all them cap space for. This, you moved Kemba out of here. After I said y'all would, when y'all first signed him, y'all said Kemba's been done, and the way that the meniscus tearing taskmaster Tom Thibodeau moves, there's no way Kemba's going to last that long, and damn sure, that was prophetic. So you moved on from Kemba, and you're bringing a guy who is similar to Kemba, but you give him 100 M's, you give a guy who's fitting the same type of role, offense first, undersized combo guard? You're going to give him 100 M's? It's hard to keep destroying the Knicks when they keep just giving me so much fodder. It's just it's difficult because the fan base is beat down. They're distraught. They had that mystical, magical year two years ago where they ran wild in the streets after a home win. Any home win. I ain't even talking about the playoffs. Any home win, they were running wild in the streets doing pep rallies outside the Mecca. And now you're going to go within two years later and give the bag over to Jalen Brunson? And do y'all know what that means? That means you're bringing back Rick Brunson? And if you do a Duck Duck Go search of Rick Brunson, you can understand how in 2022, that might be just a wee bit problematic. But no, Knicks tape went and gave him a job. <laughs> is this college? They gave that man father a job? That man played for like 13, 15 teams, but the Knicks feel like, what's a Nick? Always a Nick. Come over here and take some more of this Dolan money. As if the son getting 100 M's, over 100 M's wasn't enough. They got to go rehire the daddy. 
Rick Brunson is now a Nick again. And take your time. Look up Rick Brunson. There's some shaky things. Now, he was acquitted. Or he pled not guilty. It's a lot of legal legalese in, in whatever went down. But the story isn't that far off for what happened to a now Cleveland Browns QB. That's all I'm going to say. And the Knicks decided the same organization that had Isaiah Thomas, the same organization that had Isaiah Thomas in the front office and everything that came with that, the same front office that has had Phil Jackson. There were some whispers there, allegedly. Now it's bringing in Jalen Brunson's daddy, former Nick legend Rick Brunson in. I don't know, man. I'm glad some of y'all had calmed down. Y'all have stopped sending me Chicago Bulls updates. I'm very glad because y'all know damn well I do not need a Chicago Bulls alert on Andre Drummond and Goran Dragic becoming Bulls. Like, I'm glad y'all realized y'all saying really don't care no more. Like, he's really off that. And yes, yes, I've been off that. So, yeah, Andre Drummond, and, you know, there, there's Bulls fans. And sadly, I'm still getting something sent to me. But this Bulls fans really, really excited. <laughs> about an Andre Drummond, you know, backup big signing. Amazing. In 2022, that's what we're still doing. And Goran Dragic, ain't that about eight point guards on the Bulls roster? So that means somebody got to go. Somebody getting traded. So who's going to package Kobe White? Uh, let's see, who else? Who else would you get rid of? Well, I mean, does this, does this mean Lonzo's expendable? What can you get? Can the, can the Bulls low-key be in the Kevin Durant? <laughs> outside the Knicks tape, that's the one team we know for sure that the Nets won't even entertain because the Bulls don't even got nowhere close to the horses to even entertain such a laughable scenario. <laughs> but, I mean, hey, man, Sixers feel like they won that trade now. <laughs> Because they got, you know, they got Kobe and Shaq. <laughs> oh, man's vowed to work out. So now we're just going to go ahead and believe him. <laughs> he said that every year in Houston that he was going to work out. He was going to show up. He hooped at the Drew every year in Houston, getting in shape. And what did it mean for the Houston Rockets? Not a damn thing. But I know, Philly's different. Remember... I talked about the Super League. I don't know what episode that was. Uh, it was about, what, about a year and a half ago? Was that during the pandemic? Towards the end of the original pandemic, because we're still in a pandemic, by the way. Uh, but the Super League concept that was supposed to happen in soccer, it came and went. It was supposed to happen. Teams jumped on board, and then fans lost their damn mind. And it made the powerful soccer teams that are some of the most expensive teams and most highly valued franchises in the world to fall back. Well, now it's happening here and it's not even happening at the professional ranks. And I'd say that with a wink. It's happening at the amateur ranks where college football is open season, bro. SEC already poached by Texas, Texas and Oklahoma. And now we have the Big Ten swooping in and effectively tearing the heart out of the Pac-10 or Pac-12, whatever you want to call them, by scooping up USC and UCLA. Now, obviously, USC is the prize there, but it's a package deal. 
No way UCLA ain't moving nowhere without USC. So USC and UCLA make the move into the Big Ten. And this Big Ten about to be about a Big 25, bro. It's about to be a Big 25. They about to just start scooping up schools left and right. And it's going to become a powerhouse of SEC versus Big Ten. That's what it's going to be. That's what this Super League is looking like. And this is obviously a money play. Everyone likes to talk about NIL, and that's cool that boosters can now pay players over the table instead of under. But effectively, these schools are still not paying these players directly outside of scholarships and room and board. And while there's still a huge part of the country that feels that that's more than enough pay for 18 to 21-year-olds to sacrifice their bodies for, these schools are making hundreds of millions of dollars I've been using this staff for a while. The SEC made half a billion dollars in revenue in one year. One year, half a billion in revenue. And they're already, you know, they're already putting the numbers out here about this move with UCLA and USC. A hundred million just in media money. Media money with this deal. So how much more once the Big Ten forms its own network, because, you know, that's coming and not like what they have now. I'm talking about like a real media network that they can pitch to one of the big boys and flip for streaming rights and shit like that. What's that TV slash streaming deal going to look like? And how much of that are the players not going to get? (laughs) So while Dabo and your man's saving and everyone's running around Jimbo crowing. Everyone likes to talk about NILs and what they're doing for the game. Meanwhile, these conferences and these conference commissioners are doing all the dirty work. The athletic presidents, the ADs are doing all the dirty work behind the scenes, getting these super leagues together. You're going to have games of Michigan versus USC every year. UCLA versus Ohio State every year nothing to do with money though it's all for the nature of competition the spirit of amateur athletics <laughs> oh, follow the money and speaking of following the money Super League really had an impact man Super League has really made people just say fuck it dogs I'm going with the money PGA PGA Golf they have this live, this was a live conference. I don't, I don't know what it is. L I V, basically Saudi money. I would use Arab money, but that's offensive, and that's a Ron Brown song, and we don't do that here. But Saudi money, and some would even say that's blood money, has found its way into golf, and players are just being brazen about just taking it. Phil Mickelson was the first to jump out there and make the move. Because he's got lifetime exemptions to all the PGA majors. Because that's all the shit that they really care about. Players that are top 25, top 50, even top 100, they only want to play by and large. They only want to play in the marquee tournaments, which is the four, maybe slash five majors on the PGA Tour. If you win those or finish high enough in ranking in those, you get exemptions. And if you win it, you get lifetime exemptions. You can always pull up. No matter what, they can't do nothing to stop you unless they change the bylaws, which may happen if this live thing continues to build on the momentum that it clearly has. Dustin Johnson's jumped over. A lot of guys have jumped over to just take the bag. 
take the bag. I mean, allegedly Phil Mickelson was $40 million in gambling debt alone. Now, we've heard the stories of Jordan gambling on golf. We've heard the stories of Tiger Woods gambling on golf. But now we have Phil Mickelson coming out and owning it. Now, it could be due to pressure of the fact of explaining why he would take this Saudi alleged blood money. But he admitted, yo, $40 million in gambling debts, dog. I got to do what I got to do. So now all these other players are starting to jump ship because the Saudi money pockets is deep. It's long pause. So they're out here just paying dudes. You tired of fuck with the PGA? You want to play in less tournaments for more money? So wait, I get more money and I get to work less? Oh, sign me up. Sign me up. I'll forego the prestige and the, and the, the legacy of the PGA Tour just by they're basically working from home. This is essentially choosing a job that has a work from home option where you get to make more money, but you get to work from home as opposed to staying where, where you're currently at, trooping it in, making that commute and you're making good money, but it's, it's a conventional job. The Saudis are offering work from home, remote option jobs to PJ tour golfers and the PJ tour golfers are living in today and saying, nah, dogs, I want to work from home. I want to work remote. Let me take another meeting in bed, turn my camera off and mute. And just listen to people talk for half an hour and get paid. So the Saudis are not for play play. They've done this with WWE. They've made deals with them to bring that brand over there to expand their base. And it makes money. It's all a cash grab. The Saudis have the bread and companies over decades have been taking it on the low. Now, because the bread is getting so astronomical, it can no longer be on the low. There's been rumors of tennis joining the fray. Like, it's easier to do it with individual individual sports. But what if the Saudis pulled up on the SEC? <laughs> what type of money you think the Saudis would pull up and offer Saban and them boys? Let me hear holier-than-thou Nick Saban turned down billions from the Saudis. Billions. Like Showtime. Like the show on Showtime. Billions plural. Let me see Nick Saban, holier than thou. The man who ran away from the NFL for more bread. The man who gets his contract renegotiated based off every other coaches. Gets that automatic raise to be the highest paid coach every single year. Let me see him turn down that Saudi, allegedly, blood money. And just to wrap things up here, we'll get into the draft. Yo, man, everyone's happy about their draft. Well, except for the Knicks, of course, because, I mean, what did they do? <laughs> Only the Knicks, man. Only the Knicks. But anyway, look, the Warriors, like I said, Weissman, Moody, Kaminga, and then to follow that up with Patrick Baldwin Jr. and my man's Ryan Rollins, even though he got hurt or he's battling through an injury, I think those five, and even Gil Santos is not is he's not trash, obviously, but I'm more locked in on Baldwin Jr., who, you know, I was going to try and do a preview pod, a draft preview pod, because I did some research. I talked to a 
college player that I know that played against Patrick Baldwin Jr. And he said, yo, dogs, skill set wise, I asked him, I said, yo, who's the toughest player you've guarded, you've guarded or you've played against or seen this year? And without a doubt, he said Patrick Baldwin Jr. Patrick Baldwin Jr., this is another D1 Hooper who's telling me this. Like, yo, another, like he's like, yo, Patrick Baldwin Jr. is the one. By far. Skill set crazy. You know, obviously had some shit going on with his pops there. Pops got fired, and it wasn't the best of fit. He didn't play up to his potential because he was supposed to be a lottery pick. I mean, the fact that he fell to, what, 28 to the Dubs was crazy. And that type of move, he's a guy that fits in, that could be a big wing, that can handle the rock, shoot from the outside. He could be a Michael Porter Jr. type player. So, again, it's all projections, but in terms of talent ceiling, the guys that the Warriors have taken over the last two drafts, all their ceilings are ridiculously higher. Now, some would think to me that that means they're taking projects. I'm not saying they're taking projects. They're taking guys that are either ready-made, they're just that skilled, or they had to go through some shit, and with the right time, whether it's in the gym or PT, they can go. They can rise as high as that ceiling is. And when you look at a Moody and a Kamigas, especially if we know what Weissman was in college and what, we, what he projects to be in the league, and then you add that with a Patrick Baldwin Jr., and I think Ryan Rollins, he was a guy that I'm amazed that he didn't go in the first round. Ryan Rollins, I think he's a hooper's hooper. And I know I don't use that term lightly here, Ryan Rollins is a hooper's hooper now. He has to battle through some injury. He has to get healthy, get right. But he's another guy that I think could fit in that, this whole alleged positionless thing that the Warriors keep claiming that they invented, which they didn't. That shit was around in the 90s. That whole positionless stuff can really work if this next five, if these five, last five guys that they've taken in the draft pan out. If you're looking at what Weissman can do offensively, but more so defensively, Kaminga, even though Kerr didn't unveil him in the finals like, like we wanted him to. But we've seen his movies. We know what Kamika could be. Moody is a guy that, outside of getting killed by the Lakers, no names, at Summer League, can do some things. Pair that with a Michael Porter Jr.-like ability of a Patrick Baldwin Jr. And Ryan Rollins, who's kind of a, 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 he's a utility guy in terms of, he could do a little bit of everything, but at high levels. I... That's positionless. That I'm very impressed. And you know, you know I like to shit on that Warriors organization, but based off the people I've talked to, based off the, the, the tape that I've watched, the last two drafts for the Warriors have been amazing. Now, Steve Kerr, because he's trying to win rings, might not be the guy to ultimately unleash all of these guys. He may be kicked upstairs. And maybe that's why Kenny Atkinson didn't leave or reneged on the job with Charlotte and Michael Jordan. But at some point in the very near future, there could be five potential new starters for your Warriors, and they could have all came from back-to-back draft classes. You know what it is. Appreciate y'all for being patient. Had to take a little bit of a break, man. I gave y'all pods after every single finals game. Again, this is an independent pod. This is a one-man, one-man band pod. 
I produce it, I, I host it, I edit it, I do all the social media shit, I post all the clips, like, need a little break, need a little breather, and I know it's the draft, I know it's the beginning of free agency, but as you see, not that much has happened in an actuality standpoint, more from a speculation standpoint, so it gave me enough time to rest and relax, take care of some things behind the scenes, and I'm back now, we here. Going to have some guests here pull up and, and talk about some other things outside of just basketball now that, you know, until obviously KD decides what's going to happen, they will come back and dissect that to, to all, to the ends of the earth. But got some other things I want to get into, NFL, tennis, uh, maybe some golf here, maybe some college with this uh, whole Super League seemingly thing. Are they going to leave the NCAA? Can that happen? Can they break free from the NCAA? Eh, we'll, we'll get there when we get there, but over the very near future, be diversifying the topics here as now NBA season to me is officially a wrap with free agency here. But for the Sam D podcast, I'm the Sam D. I'm out. Mm-hmm.